everyone, I'm Brandon Odo. And I'm Brian Bowling. And this is Critical Care Scenarios, the podcast where we use clinical cases, narrative storytelling, and expert guests to unpack how critical care is practiced in the real world. Hey everyone, it's Brandon, back with another Turbo. I want to talk today about just a couple things that I think are almost universally helpful to tell a patient, or in our setting, a little more often, a patient's family or whoever's kind of representing them. When they first are admitted to the ICU, they first present with their critical illness. And this is much more so for patients in whom it's a little more sudden. In other words, uh, this is a more acute event Uh, It's more of a surprise. You know, people who have a a chronic or recurring illness and they've been in and out of the hospital or the ICU and this is not their first rodeo, they sort of know a lot of this, hopefully. Um, But, you know, uh, let's say a patient who is younger, an event like trauma, which may truly be hyperacute, they were completely well before it happened, or truly a new diagnosis, something that's surprising, especially if it's quite severe and, you know, quite scary when it presents, um, something like a, a massive intracranial event, like a stroke or a bleed, or, you know, you're surprised to find a a tumor or something. Sometimes that presents this way. Things seemed okay. And then all of a sudden you're saying this patient's innovated, unconscious, you don't know how well they're going to do and so on. So there's a couple things that in most cases are helpful to say to these people. And it's good to tuck these away because otherwise you just get lost in the the mechanical medical details and you don't kind of realize that people need to hear these things. The first, and I brought this up before when I talked about trajectories of critical illness and critical care, is just to give people some idea of the the timeline, the pacing they can expect. Because if they're new to this whole notion of of just critical illness, of being this sick, people don't have any context for it. They know what it's like to have a cold. Uh, They know what it's like to have an upset stomach or something. They don't know what it's like to be sick in this way. And one of the things I think people especially don't understand is how long it's going to take. So I try to tell people that, you know, listen, for everything that's going on, it's all going to take longer than you think. Hopefully, it'll all go well. And, you know, your loved one will recover, leave the ICU, leave the hospital, and eventually go home and uh, survive it all and have uh, good functional recovery. But even if it does go well, it's all going to take a long time. And especially for something that is truly sudden, um, like a car wreck or something, I think deep down there's some part of people that believes that it happened suddenly so people should get better suddenly. And then yes, on some level they realize that's not true, but even then the internal correction they make is not enough. They're like, well, he'll be here for a few days. And in reality, as most of us know, even a relatively uncomplicated course from truly severe illness, the kind of thing that lands people on the ventilator, on vasopressors, having surgeries, um, all these kinds of things, even when it goes well, that is not the timeline we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, maybe days, maybe even weeks or more in the ICU, and then more time 
on one of the regular floors or a step-down unit. And then you're not done. I mean, then you're almost certainly going to need things like rehab, which may take even longer. And then even if you eventually end up somewhere like home, you're still not going to be back to normal for a long time. Illness like this, years later, people are still not quite the same. And I think it's important for people to have that expectation because otherwise, when they see how slowly things are happening, they think something has gone wrong. Something is unexpected. That's bad for them. It causes stress. It's actually bad for us because sometimes they start looking around and saying, what did you do? What happened? Did you do something wrong? Did you mess something up? And that's why he's not getting better. People should understand that this is the expected way of things, even when it is going well. So I tell them, this is going to take a while. A lot of days, you'll turn around and say, what's new today? And the answer will be, not that much. And part of what goes with this is expecting a backslide, bumps along the road. There's a lot of two steps forward and one step back. And again, that is expected. There are complications that will happen. He'll develop an infection. He'll develop a blood clot. He'll get confused and delirious and whatever. That is also expected. Our goal is just that over time, we are generally moving in the right direction. Overall, on average, even if the slope is gradual, we're moving the right way. And part of what also goes with this, and I tell people this, that like, you probably feel right now like the way to be supportive and part of this is to be very closely involved with it and to really hover and make sure you know everything that's going on. But what you'll actually find and what I would recommend is that that is going to be more, more harm for you than good because there is just a lot going on and a lot of it ultimately doesn't matter. And any given day, the white count is up one point, the heart rate is down 10 points, we change this antibiotic. This is all stuff that we have to care about. It's these kind of details and managing them that, you know, is important to do. It makes a difference. But it doesn't really matter for you because what you care about, what matters for you is the overall outcome and trajectory and how things are going in a broader sense. And most of this doesn't really matter for that. And if you spend too much time hyper-focusing on it, it just, it just stresses you out and distracts you. This is how you have family singing in the rooms and being... You know, like I, I notice on the monitor that the heart rate was 105 and now it's 110. And you're just like, yeah, you know, that <laughs> this is the stuff that goes on. What does it mean in a micro sense? Maybe it means something to me, maybe not. What does it mean in a macro sense? Probably nothing. So it's good to actually step back and have a little bit of distance um, and kind of take each day as it comes and just say, you know, We'll sort of deal with things as they arise. If anything important happens, then you'll know about it. Um, but try to leave most of these details at, at an arm's reach because it's, it's not helping for you to care too much about them. And that goes in with the timeline thing too. Not necessarily expecting anything to happen on any given day, um, but you know, week to week perhaps hoping that things are moving the right way. And if they're not, legitimately asking where are we at, how are we doing? But it, it's more of a, a intermediate range perspective on things. The other thing I often try to tell people, 
And this is, again, all the more true for things that are more sudden. And I mean, nowhere more do you see this than in, in things like trauma. Um, I really think that as human beings, part of us wants to believe that there is rhyme and reason in the world and that things happen for a reason. And so much do we want that to be true that we will rather believe something happened for a bad reason than for no reason. So let's say a, a healthy young person gets shot five times and is now tremendously ill in the ICU, had a bunch of surgery. If you are that patient's loved one, you have two options. You can believe that this is just a senseless tragedy that befell this patient uh, for no particular reason, and we just have to get through it. It's just, it's just one of those things. It's like the weather or, you know, it's like cancer or something that people are maybe a little more willing to believe just sometimes happens. Or you can believe that it's somebody's fault. And maybe that's actually easier, even if it means saying that it's the patient's fault or it's my fault as someone who was close to them, and I didn't do something to prevent this. Uh, or it's our fault as healthcare providers, especially you know once we've had the patient for a little while and, and bad things happen, do we do something wrong? It's somebody's fault. And so I think it's helpful to try to reassure people, whether or not they're able to hear it, that sometimes things just happen. We live in a universe where bad things happen to people, Sometimes bad things happen to good people and there's not a reason for it. And it's not your fault and it's not even their fault. And it's not even their fault at times when there probably are decisions they made that contributed to it. Nevertheless, maybe this person was living a lifestyle that made it more likely they would get shot. Maybe they were driving their car and they didn't wear their seatbelt. And that's, yeah, maybe partly why they were so injured in their car crash. Still, you know, it. this was always an unexpected event for them. If they knew they were going to drive off an embankment and become this injured, they probably would have worn their seatbelt. This was not a foreseeable outcome for them. And... and Maybe you could have foreseen it. Maybe it was too risky. But still, they didn't expect this happening. If they had another chance and they could, you know, step back from the bed they're in and try it again, I'm sure they would have done it differently. So it's not their fault. They didn't make this happen. And again, neither did you. Maybe, maybe you could have done something else. Maybe you could have made them wear their seatbelt or whatever. But you couldn't have foreseen this either. And, you know, certainly for us as well, again, complications are going to arise and, you know, we're all doing the best we can. I'm not saying that, you know, true negligence doesn't sometimes occur, but by and large, the starting point should be you believing that this is just a tragedy. And as you are sitting around in these days to come in the kind of quiet and darkness of this ICU room, Try to keep your mind from going to the place where you wonder, what could we have done differently? Whose fault is this? And instead, just say, this is something we just have to get through. These are just the bad times, and the only way out is forward. 
there is nothing that we can gain by trying to turn back the clock and point fingers and assign blame. It's nobody's fault. Bad things just happen. Tuck these things away. I, I think you'll find that they're helpful to patients and, and to their families, even, even though they may not mean much to you. You have a very different perspective on these things. Remember, this is just another day at work for you. This is probably one of the worst times of their life for them. So do what you can to put them in the right headspace for it. Talk to you next time.